Today I'm reading you a short story I wrote in 2016, Eva's Search for Heart. Eva the wolf didn't know what she wanted. There was a strong desire inside her to build or to do something, but she couldn't figure out what that was. This unknown yearning stuck itself in her heart and turned into a rose-colored crystal quartz, hardening and giving her pain. She was restless, and these feelings were bringing her anxiety and sleeplessness. She woke the next morning to a very talkative crow on the tree branch above her. You look distressed, my friend, announced the crow to the wolf. Yes, I feel some sort of desire inside me, but I can't figure out what that is. She continued, I have everything I want. I live in this beautiful forest. I have a warm fur coat and I'm good at hunting my dinner, but my heart has turned into a rock and it hurts. Have you tried asking your heart what it wants, Eva? Why, no, how on earth would I talk to my heart? The crow puffed up his shiny black chest and began to tell her about some very old magic. There is a ship charmed with powerful sorcery. It's quiet, but it's very strong. The spirits call it meditation. It will take you to your heart and let it tell you what it wants. Meditation has been sailing for an eternity. Eva was excited. How do I find this magic ship? Your world is too full of colors and noises and things to see here, continued the crow. You must turn these things into a fog and then the fog will part. Only then may you lay eyes upon her giant cells. Eva turned and trotted off into the deeper woods, thinking it would be easier to turn the colors and the noises and things into fog there. The woods were dark, so surely the colors wouldn't be so bright. The noises were echoes and blended into each other like a blanket. All these things were covered up by shadows. But the fog wouldn't come. She couldn't make all this chatter leave her head. Her mind remembered the colors and the noises and things were still there. So she howled at the sky and her crow came flying back to see what was wrong. I cannot make the fog. Eva looked down at the ground. She felt sad and the rock which was her heart felt hard. Let me guide you. Lie down and go to sleep and I will fly into your dream. This is where search begins. So Eva found a mound of grass and ivy and went to sleep. The dreams of wolves are simple and strange. Birds sing songs with darker notes. The sky makes fire and smoke and it all moves like ocean waves. Eva's dream was filled with giant yummy beetles and the sound of thumping through the ground. She looked up and saw the crow. Follow me. Eva ran, trying to keep up with crow's black wings in the sky. And as she ran, she noticed the thumping noise in the ground getting louder. Crow landed on a branch above and Eva stopped. The thump of the earth is calling to you. Eva woke up from her dream to see her winged friend perched on an identical branch above her head. I am being called by the thumping beat inside the earth, she announced to the crow. Crow spoke. Your dreams are mirrors and they hold reflections of what you've forgotten. You must remember the thumping and how it made you feel. It made me feel like I wasn't alone, Eva said. When I ran, it got louder. I believe it is the sound of a thousand wolves running with me across the land. 
I have been alone for a year. I now remember my longing to run with them. Eva noticed a little bit of mist covering the grass beneath her feet. The fog is coming, but it isn't thick enough yet. You must keep trying. Hold the magic of the dream in your mind and let the physical things around you fall away. Remember what your soul wants, not your body. Eva pondered this for a minute. It was brilliant. She decided to remember what her soul looked like without her fur coat and thick paws. Eva suddenly felt as though she was being lifted out of something heavy and she floated into the air. The trees faded into shadows and the noises of the forest became so distant that they sank into the wood and the wet clay. Eva was a flying spark of light. She had been a small star in the universe before she decided to wear the coat of a wolf. She remembered her friends in the sky and how they all had talked about exploring the land and filling up their senses. And then that old magical fog began to take over everything around her. The fog got thicker and thicker, and Eva saw a break in its mist. There was the ship. Her sails stretched so high into the black clouds that they appeared as the wings of angels. She climbed aboard, and the meditation took her across the water. She sailed for two days before reaching a mountain hidden away in a cluster of stars. She got off the boat and stepped onto the mouth of a cave. Its walls were built of crystal, onyx, and little pieces of rose quartz. She picked up the pieces and followed the trail inside. There, wedged into a deep puddle of dark water, stood her heart. It had aged to stone, but that stone was still beautiful. She could see the patterns of crystal webbed up through the middle like solid smoke. A faint pink blush tinted its edges. Eva broke the silence with her voice. Why have you become a rock in my earth body, and what do you want? Her heart began to grow warm and thump like the sound of her dreams. She remembered that warmth and the rhythmic beat in her earth body, and she knew her fiery soul and her physical heart were one. Heart began to speak. I want to feel my feet beating on the ground, along with a thousand other feet in song. I want to be the creator of music and I want it to resonate throughout the land. Eva suddenly felt more joy than she'd felt in that year she'd spent alone in her beloved forest. It was time to reach out to her comrades and, and start the beginning of what would become the first heartbeat of music in the world. She left the cave to climb back on board the ship. Meditation took her home and she woke up in the forest during a light morning rain. Everything was new. The sunrise was brighter, and dewdrops painted the woods with fresh colors. She was home, and she knew what she had to do. The rock in her chest began to beat wild, as though it couldn't be contained. It was starting to tear itself away. She hovered over the fallen trunk of a tree and coughed up the stone. It landed on the ground and reflected a rosy light. Eva took the rock and wore it around her neck, catching the energy of the sun. Eva's heart felt soft again, and it beat steady and warm inside her. She began to think of her brothers and sisters. She raised her voice to the stars and began to call them with her most charismatic song. She ran fast into the woods. 
She was ready to begin her new journey to create what the world would come to know one day as the rhythm of music. This is Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. A friend of mine who lives in Chicago asked me to talk about staying connected to nature when you live in an urban area. So let's get into it. Living in tune with nature is becoming tuned into your inner nature. Because we are part of the natural world, it's just easy to forget. And tuning into your inner nature is something that builds a connection to creativity and regeneration. And this is where projects and packaged ideas and tangible inventions are born. And through tuning into our inner nature and feeling connected to raw earth, even those people confined to places where nature is scarcely enjoyed can still be tied in to that deeper wellspring of spiritualness, psychological ability, physical wellness, your true wild and unbroken nature. But a lot of people who live in big, busy cities and urban areas don't feel connected to this. It's as though there's just no natural world to catch hold of and use as a, a channeling tool. And that's what we use nature for, a tool to channel and keep grounded with and to get spiritual and creative inspiration from. But there's still this really subtle, intricate little network of channels that we can access even in strictly urban areas. There's a nice challenge to learning to go inside deep and concentrate on your own body meditation in a public room or in a busy place. Some people use a book for a prop. It doesn't draw attention. Or they'll put in earbuds and soak into their own world where they can access those inner meditative thoughts. And another nice trick is to learn the history of your place. It romanticizes it. It makes it more interesting. And when you understand something on a deeper level, you can feel more connected to it. The connection will go beyond that visible surface tension of the city. There's something really neat that happens to us when we learn the history of something. When we understand something, it's easier to feel related to it or connected on some level. We feel closer when I was living on Long Island a long, long time ago, I picked up a book on the history of the place, and I learned how the beaches were formed. Long Island's beaches start rocky and rough up at the top, and when you get down to the southern area, everything's sandy and spaced out. This is because the island was formed by glaciers, and as they moved down, they left bigger debris and rocks and boulders, roughage along the top area, by the time it got down to the bottom, it had leveled off and the debris was smooth and smaller. So you got sandier, more spread out beach areas. I thought this was fascinating. I loved the idea that I was standing on something left behind by ancient, giant glaciers, which I always thought were interesting. Big bodies of ice, so large that they killed off most of the world at some point killer glaciers, a form of water that changed the whole world. That's a powerful thing in my mind. 
It reminds me that I'm small in comparison to it. So when I stood on those beaches, it was easier for me to start sensing the age of the place and how I was this small life in comparison to it, almost a child of this new world that the glaciers built. And I suddenly felt connected to Long Island and very attracted to living there. Start finding the tiny things that pop out And here's where it feels good to let the imagination just take off. I was talking about water on Long Island. Think about how close you are all the time to the water. The water running through the plumbing of the building. Water, the oldest carrier of life and movement in the whole world, is right there with you. It's traveling through underground pipes and around dark corners, coming to you when you call it through a faucet or carrying away the filth when you're ready to drain it away. It's always working, always moving, and we can make it move for us. Water holds memories. It can carry away intentions, if you want it to, right down the pipes and out to wherever you want it to go. It's almost a, an old-school telegram service. Imagination. It's a tool. It can pull us right back in to where our hearts always were. The innocence and the wonder in children. It's this attractive naivety, this curiosity that keeps us connected to the natural world. Children are very connected and grounded to the natural world. They're paying attention to it and soaking in all the sensory things around them all the time. They're curious. They're creative. And it grounds them in the natural world. It keeps them in touch. Creative imagination, it's a very powerful thing. The only difference between living right in the middle of nature and living in a place where you feel closed off to it is that the conveniences are flipped around. Now, what I mean by flipped convenience is that, say there are two different conveniences, the convenience of physical living, bars and bodegas right around the corner, and the convenience of spiritual and emotional living, where you have nature and all its messages right there in your face all the time. What about the light sneaking in through the windows, the dirtiest, filthiest windows in the dullest places? Can let this pure light in, sending a whole different feeling and energy through that room or that dark hallway. It can clear away negative things, and there's this really subtle strength connecting to you through that sunlight. Every time we turn on a range and cook something, we're conjuring aromas and filling up our spaces with our own brand of comfort and home. Cooking is magical. Mix together a spicy apple pie and let that heat and that spice bake itself into the air and feel how that brings a harmony or some kind of nostalgia to your space. It changes the energy. It can take you completely from one mental state to another. When things like this are in place, even in small apartments in the city, I believe a person can conjure at least enough of a connection to nature, to their own hearts, to stay healthy, to be tuned in and turned on. It's possible to live natural and wild-hearted while you're in the city. There is no distinguishing between mankind and nature because we're always a part of it, no matter where we are. We're part of that natural world. 
It's just that our current environment can be distracting sometimes and either make it harder or make it easier, depending on where we are physically in any given moment. But we can conjure a connection with nature anywhere because we are nature. We're natural creatures who are made up of the same stuff as everything else that exists in the wild world. And if you want even more of a reminder of how connected to nature we are, think about this. And this is an excerpt I wrote in a paper a long, long time ago. It reads, We are literally stardust. Stars explode, some of the heavier ones bursting into supernovas. And it all falls to earth where it showers over us, the plants we eat, penetrating the air we breathe, and all the water that takes up most of our physical being. This happened millions of years ago, and it continues on forever. Our bodies are in a constant state of regeneration. We are made up of the same old-as-the-universe stuff that kids dream about when they look up into the night. Ask any astrophysicist. As a matter of fact, there's a book one of them wrote with his wife called Living with the Stars. They explore the logistics of how we genuinely mirror the natural world, and it's amazing. Now take one step forward to how compounds are formed. The highly volatile sodium, for example, is present in dying stars and even sometimes used as a tracer to study them. It falls to earth, eventually seeping into the ground and everything else, and into everything we eat, everything we drink and breathe in. We are children of the stars. There are ways to remind ourselves that we're not so disconnected. Little tiny things and tiny habits, they turn into bigger ones and better ones, and suddenly they become second nature, easy. So if your choice is to live in a busy urban area, but you want to have nature in your life too, you can. You're just going to have to find more imaginative ways to do it. You're going to have to put a little more effort into it. And if the word effort is a deterrent, just remember that living right in the heart of nature is not that easy either. Remember, I'm walking down to the spring and lugging heavy containers to my house every morning. It's like weightlifting and doing cardio at the same time. Rain or shine, snow and ice, and I don't always feel like it first thing in the morning. But I want fresh water, so I go do it. And it becomes a habit and second nature. And then I feel better for it. We've all got to make an effort to have our connections, the ones we want. It's just a choice as to how you want to go about doing it. This has been Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I want to thank the biggest supporters of my show, Chris Nolan, Sheila McGregor, Arnold Bloom, and Bruce Presson. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you who have contributed to the virtual tip jar this week. Be good to each other. Be safe. Be happy. And have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.